0: Hey guys, Brian Jodis here today talking about On It. On It is a health and fitness juggernaut dedicated to delivering total human optimization to its vast customer base of athletes, thinkers, fitness gurus, entrepreneurs, and yes, podcasters through a wide array of products and supplements. On It combines cutting-edge science, earth-grown nutrients, and time-tested strategies. To help people reach peak performance. And we have two killer deals for you today. Number one, they're giving away for free a trial of Alpha Brain. All you have to do is pay the shipping, and they're hooking you up with free Alpha Brain. No joke. I just took mine with its trademark ingredient blends. Alpha brain builds an environment in which the brain can operate on all cylinders. You're like a locomotive. All you have to do is click the on it link in the show notes or it's on this show page as well. Click that alpha brain on it link and go scoop you up some today. Need other Onnit products? We have you covered there as well. Use the promo code PICK6, P-I-C-K-S-I-X, when you shop at Onnit.com, and you'll save 10% off just like that. Go to Onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T.com, and get after it with the promo code PICK6, or click the link in the show notes for some of that free alpha brain today. Amy Hall is on a pursuit for conversations with authentic hunters and anglers. Her strength of purpose is as straight as an arrow, which serves her well, because as a wife, mother, hunter, and podcaster, she's aiming to bring people together through relatable stories. Let's meet Amy on this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. What's up, Amy? Uh, Good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you?
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation.
0: Yeah, me too. This is the beauty of, and more and more of these are popping up uh, where y- you're scrolling through uh, social media. And, and I was on Instagram and I was watching our mutual friend, uh, Jeff, mm-hmm. doing his Tuesday night Instagram live. And he's talking to Amy about hunting. And I was like, man, this is really cool. Uh, maybe Amy would come on pick up the six podcast and, and here we yeah. are. So thanks for and- being willing to do it.
1: You're flipping the the table on me here because right. right. I'm used to interviewing people. So for yeah. you, it it's it's just flipping it around on me.
0: She's the host of her Wild Outdoors. We're going to talk yeah. a lot about that and and what it is and and your mission there and your purpose behind it and, and what you're hoping to accomplish. But you're right, uh, we're flipping the script a little bit. So you've got to sit on that side. Uh, I the interview know. It <laughs> feels a little weird, doesn't it? Right. Used to. It
1: does. It does. When when Jeff approached me, I was I I don't think I'd ever I had maybe done two lives and it was totally different for me because I'm used to having a conversation where you can kind of edit if you mess up or if you say things that are too repetitive or things like that. And, And so it was it was a fun conversation. And I am thankful that you've invited me on here.
0: Yeah, we had a great time uh, on one of his IG lives uh, about a month ago at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. we, were in, uh, we were in July when we were able to do that. And man, we had a super fun time and just got to talk to him about a lot of things that we're trying to do over here. And uh, we're going to mm-hmm. have him on this show, too, as well. Uh, and so just just a good, good guy. All right, let's get to know Amy Hall a little bit. I know <laughs> in the great state of Tennessee. So I sit here in North Carolina. So you're just a, to our west. Um, yes, tell me a little about who you are and 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 uh, and where you grew up and all that good stuff.
1: Well, I grew up in Tennessee. I was um I grew up in West Tennessee, which is kind of like, I don't know. I had a gentleman call me one time a Flatlander Republican of West Tennessee and I mean, that doesn't all encompass me, but that's kind of what right. he thinks of when he when he hears of West Tennessee. It's it's just all flat. If you think of um, we're right next to the Mississippi River and it's just field after field after field of cotton and tobacco and corn and soybeans. And uh, it's perfect for duck hunting, which mm-hmm. is what that side of the state is mainly known for.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh it's very different than the Tennessee <laughs> that I got to know as a on the uh, east side in college, right? You know, so I went to school mm-hmm. in western North Carolina, Appalachian State, and uh yeah. I delivered furniture as a job when I was in college and we'd make many a trip from western north carolina into Mm -hmm. really far eastern tennessee and and honestly part of it's pretty eye-opening going into some parts of eastern tennessee and yeah you got such a long state right it can be so different you got mountain areas you got the smoky the flat part where you're from and it's all it's
1: all different that's kind of the beauty of tennessee is that we kind of encompass a little bit of everything you Mm -hmm. can you can be in the mountains the smoky mountains which are They're very different from the Rockies. They're more, um, it's kind of like a rainforest when you get in there. And then the middle part, which is where I live now, I live kind of outside of Nashville. And we have rolling hills Mm -hmm. and uh, places where you can get hikes in with waterfalls and really enjoy the outdoors here. And then you've got the western side, which is that flatlander side. Yeah.
0: Um, If you guys have never seen, the Smoky Mountains in all their glory, it is we really need to pretty go. incredible. Why do they call mm-hmm. them the Smoky Mountains for folks who haven't been over there before?
1: Because when you, if you are driving in, you actually see the clouds come through those mountains and it is as if they're smoking mm-hmm. uh, and it's just, it's gorgeous. Yep.
0: It's like that yeah. view of the Blue Ridge and, mm-hmm. and they, they, every mountain looks blue. From from yeah. where you stand, it's pretty incredible. God, God's full display painting painting a brush is pretty incredible. Um, you live not far from the country music capital of the world. So what's on Amy Hall's <laughs> playlist right now?
1: You know, we ha- I have two middle school kids. One's a teenager, one's about to be, and we kind of go a little bit back and forth. My daughter loves country, but it's old school country. Mm-hmm. Like take it back. Vince Gill, yeah, George um, Strait, yeah. like all the good, um, the good kind of country before it kind of switched a little bit. It's, all, um, it's,
0: it's okay. It's a little poppy. it's a little
1: puppy you get you still get people like Chris Stapleton coming in that are bringing in some good soul bluesy kind of country little
0: Luke Combs at me too that's an App State guy
1: it's okay and and I, I think that we love bluegrass we love that the good old country roots but then my son is that 70s hair band rock music oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> he plays the guitar and so we listen to a little bit of zeppelin and uh-huh. van halen and uh-huh. so i you you'll our soundtrack switches from that all the way back to, to christian music so yeah, it's a little
0: it's, k-love thrown in the mix
1: <laughs> yeah so it's a little bit of everything i my husband listens to some uh some music that is not my favorite. It's it's kind of back in the seventies, but it's not quite like sixties and seventies, okay. more poppy um, disco music, and okay. I, that's okay. not my type of jam. So okay. in my car, you'll get either country, country rock, southern rock, hair band rock, mm-hmm. or Christian and some, some
0: Jesus jams. <laughs> yeah. That's what we call them. <laughs>
1: A little bit of everything.
0: Well, you know, the good thing is you always got something uh, something you can listen to. and Yes. You know, that's great. Yeah. yeah that's everybody's quite,
1: happy at that's some good. point. <laughs> quite a journey
0: with those young teenagers, I can imagine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, it's been a long, we've been here in Nashville. I've been here since 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital. Well, back then it wasn't it was all just the main hospital Uh and I helped open children's and worked for cardiac surgery then. And was just, I mean, I loved it, but there's only so long that you can take loss if you know what I mean. And we saw a lot of great things from perfect heart transplants to saving people's lives, but there was a lot of loss. And so, um, when we were starting to talk about having kids, it was also that conversation of, I'd like to come home. And mm-hmm. if we can do that, that'd be great. So I've been able to do that and work as a photographer on and off for the past
0: 13 years. Wow. Which only shows have... my
1: age just a little bit. I
0: was. <laughs> I was just gonna let it, I was just gonna keep on You're moving. Gonna let from it, it go. No,
1: absolutely. I'm proud of it. I yeah, just absolutely. I just turned 41 and I really do love my 40s. It's been oh, yeah. great. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I just joined
0: the 40 club uh about two months ago. So it's, it's all, awesome. It's good. It is what you it's what you make out of it.
1: I That's think fair. so. I think I've had some friends who have said, you know, I'm hitting 40 and I don't I've kind of hit all of my goals. Mm so now what? And I said, you make more goals. Yeah. <laughs> you keep, you keep pushing, you keep going, you keep, uh, you keep learning. And I think that that's what, what uh, makes your life exciting.
0: We didn't go this far to only come this far. There's always, right. there's always more. And when you, yeah. uh, when you take joy in the journey, like I believe you do, then, mm-hmm. uh, then you just keep adding to it. You, you grew up in an area where, and in a state where there's such an embrace Uh, for the outdoors. And it it Mm -hmm. sounds to me like you grew up in a family where there was such an embrace for the outdoors. and You had family.
1: family You know, I didn't
0: hunt. hunt Oh, really? Well, tell me a little bit about then how this gets sort of cultivated. I did not.
1: Um, my, I think it kind of skipped a generation. My grandfather used to squirrel hunt, he'd Mm -hmm. fish and all of that. That's, I learned from my grandfather how to fish, but nobody in my family hunted. Not one person mm-hmm. um, in my immediate family that yeah. I grew up yeah. with uh, day in so and day rods day out. and
0: reels was about the the extent of their and camping to do some conservation.
1: And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we were always outside, so that hasn't changed much. But uh, I had friends around me that hunted, and I've said it a couple of times on my own podcast and in stories and conversations, it wasn't that anybody ever told me you can't hunt. Never. Nobody Mm -hmm. ever told me that, but the opportunity was never there or it was never, Hey, would you like to, or, uh, Hey, come join us for a hunt. So it was, it wasn't until I was 32 Mm. that I took hunter safety and, that fall went up in a tree stand solo all by myself and started hunting.
0: Did you have an immediate kind of draw to it when you got to that point? Take me into that journey a little bit.
1: I, it started with my husband hunting and we had young kids at the time. And as a young mom who, you know, 28, 29, 30, you've got young kids at home and you kind of lose a little bit of who you are. Mm. I, I knew that I was a mom. I knew that I was a great parent. I loved being a mom, but, but what else am I, what else is at the core of me? And I loved being outside. I loved having the kids outside. And there was something about being out there that kind of brought me back to that sense of peace where, The high level of standard for being a parent can be filled with anxiety Mm -hmm. and stress, and being outside seemed to calm that down and bring me back to a center of, uh, I, it's okay. This is, we can roll with punches, and everything doesn't have to be perfect. And so, seeing my husband going out on a Saturday morning and having five or six hours by himself <laughs> in the mm. quiet, uh, watching the world wake up and, and enjoying that. I kind of had a sense of jealousy, happiness for him, but thinking I could, I would really like to do that. I'd like to get out there and help provide for our family with meat and just take some time for myself and enjoy being out there. And the first two years I hunted, I didn't get anything. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but I sat every morning, guessing, taking bets on: do the birds wake up first or the squirrels that day? Uh, is are there going to be? Is there going to be cloud cover, or is the sun going to start peeking through and warm up the earth? And it was just a, I it was a point of being able to reflect.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And sit in quiet and mm-hmm. stillness. And uh I don't know, it kind of it makes you process things that you didn't you don't necessarily get the chance to process being a parent and being dependent on a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. And so it just kind of created this sense of peace and quiet. Um not that I don't love my kids,
0: but no, yeah, we all need became- that it became yeah. um obviously just a cathartic mm-hmm. environment for you. Yeah. Uh, and you even said I want to lean in on this a little bit. Um you know I didn't I didn't catch anything in the first 2 years but it seems to me like like you kind of gained a lot. Yeah. went through that process.
1: Oh yeah, it uh whether it was overcoming fears of walking in the dark all by myself.
0: Being just being by yourself out there in an mm-hmm. environment you don't really know that much and you can't see everything around you.
1: Yeah. Uh, Walking up, there was one time I walked up to a tree stand and it was covered in fire ants. Like, what do you do when? And it was one of those situations where you could turn around and hightail uh it back and not hunt, or you can brush them off. Figure it out. Yeah. And figure it out. And I think that those are the lessons that I wish I had had as a kid of how to step through some uncomfortable situations, knowing that the outcome is going to be better because of pushing through, like you're a runner, right? So pushing through that hard part of running, whether you get that runner's high or not, at the end of it, you're going, I did it and it was worth it.
0: I remember standing at the top of what was, it wasn't a long run, it was only a six and a half mile leg on the Blue Ridge relay, not even standing, taking a knee afterwards, because I was so <laughs> incredibly moved by emotion,
1: mm-hmm. having
0: just done this, essentially, five and a half miles up this mountain with mm-hmm. switchbacks, and it was incredibly challenging. Uh, but you're right, pushing through it in that moment, and, and when we are willing to step into the discomfort, and even if that mm-hmm. discomfort is just being out in nature like that uh on a hunt on your own in in a space that isn't yours right none mm-hmm. of that land is yours yeah but, but you become a part of it it's it's yeah. pretty it's pretty interesting when you think about it from that
1: perspective it is it is and it it wasn't land that we owned at mm-hmm. all uh it was a piece of property that what that we were gifted the chance to hunt on and we appreciated and respected. And I think it was a good ease in because it wasn't a large piece of property. There were Mm. people close by. So if there was an emergency, even though I was hunting from day one by myself, there was still, if something had happened, I could have reached, I could have found somebody quickly. Now I hunt on property that I don't have cell service, I'm hiking up a mountain, like anything could happen. And I'm still solo or back in public land that you come up against people that you don't know, strangers or wildlife, and you've got to figure things out. And so I think that whether you're hunting private land or public land, there are challenges that you have to overcome. There are familiarities when you own something Mm -hmm. that you can walk those, those grounds with your eyes shut mm-hmm. once you've yeah. learned it like yeah. that. But I think that there's still, if you talk to any hunter out there, whether they're hunting private or public land, being able to sit there and either watch the world wake up or the world go to sleep is one of their favorite things to do.
0: Yeah, for sure. You talked about mm-hmm. push through barriers. I want to talk about pushing through whatever barriers might be there as a female hunter. Because I, I, think I <laughs> yeah. before that though, Right. So, so you, you, you begin this love for this. A big part mm-hmm. of it is prepping for um, what happens in the outdoors, but a huge part mm-hmm. is prepping for working that firearm, right. And becoming so comfortable yeah. with it that you're able to use it for what you need to out there. So just talk me yeah. through what that journey was like for you.
1: So funny enough, I didn't use a firearm till last year.
0: So you were all bow hunting. At the I was beginning. bow
1: hunting. Um we hunted on property that you could not hunt with a gun mm-hmm. and so the easiest way to ease into it was with a crossbow at first and here in Tennessee okay. we have the right to use a crossbow even without a disabled um tag and i think honestly in teaching people how to hunt for the first time especially kids archery is one of using a crossbow is I think one of the easiest ways in it's not as difficult as an actual compound bow or traditional Mm -hmm. bow. Mm -hmm. It's not as frightening as a gun. So you get to hunt pieces of property, depending on your crossbow. I was using an old one that honestly, it was very, very close to what the compound bows would produce power wise Mm -hmm. Um, nowadays they have crossbows that I don't know. They venture on the side of firearms in yeah. their ability. So that's, that can be a little questionable and controversial in that conversation. But when I was hunting, if you start out with a crossbow, it is a little less intimidating.
0: Sure. I think, I especially for that. kids,
1: yeah. it allows your game, whatever you were hunting to come in a little bit closer you have a little bit more of a relationship with it. Um, And I say that because if you've got non-hunters who are listening to this and you hear a hunter say that they take the life of an animal, it doesn't mean that they don't grieve it. There's that process of grieving. No hunter sits there, no true hunter sits Mm -hmm. there and takes the life of an animal and does not grieve that process there's thankfulness and gratefulness afterwards for what I'm able to feed my family. But even watching my kids walk through it over the past two years with their their hunts and their ability to provide for our family, we have allowed them that processing time to go through that grieving process. But switching into firearms, there is a huge responsibility for it. Um, I've always carried. And so switching from a pistol to a rifle is completely different. I love target shooting. It's so much fun, but it is that sense of responsibility with a firearm for if that's in my hand, I'm responsible for where that bullet goes. I'm responsible for where, what the shotgun is doing and, or the muzzle loader, like all of that, that's the second that it goes into my arms, I'm responsible for it. And I'm responsible for my kids handling it as well. Yeah. So there are a lot of rules. There are a lot of times we practice. There is a ton of gun safety that we go over, but we also go over archery safety. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to teach NASP, which is national archery and schools um, for my daughter's elementary school. So I'm teaching fourth and fifth graders how not to shoot themselves or others (laughs) with an arrow.
0: Um,
1: And it is, it's all about safety. It's all about where do you point this? Where from the time it goes into your hands, you're responsible for it. Mm -hmm. And I think that whether you're hunting with a bow or you're hunting with a gun, that aspect of it is first and foremost.
0: Do you have a, a preference? Do you have, do you have a love or affinity for, for one over the other?
1: I love bow hunting. Um, I'm in the process. I dislocated my shoulder with my bow and I'm in the process of healing from surgery that I had five, six weeks ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, so I will not be archery hunting this year. It's, is killing me just a little bit on the inside (laughs) that I can't do that, but I love the quiet
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, gun hunting is not my favorite. I've actually never taken an animal with a rifle. I've taken one with a muzzle loader, which is really cool. I think it takes me back to kind of what some of our ancestors have hunted with Um, this November. I'll be hunting with a rifle in Montana just because of distance and Mm -hmm my ability i've never hunted out there so this Mm -hmm. will be the best way that i can ethically hunt out there
0: what are you going for on that trip
1: a mule deer it should be fun it's an all girls trip out there it's backpacking into the wild of public land Mm -hmm. and we are going to just get it done it's going to be exciting yeah
0: That sounds incredible. You know, you talked about um, your husband being a hunter first, right? And then you coming Mm -hmm. into, and now you've got the family and it means become, it's become a family, a family thing. That's gotta be pretty cool. You know,
1: traditionally men have hunted and the women stay home and take care of the family and usually cook and process and butcher like that has traditionally been the role. Um, We have noticed in the past, I would say five to 10 years, that the percentage of women getting in has also increased the percentage of kids getting in. And I think that that is really exciting because once you get the mom involved as well, then usually the whole family comes into, into, you know, it becomes a yeah, family event.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite a community, Yes. Right? Yes. So, so who's who's mentoring you, right? Who are your peers? It, you know, it is it is a growing, right? But are you talking about the, you know, yeah. the size of, of women that are involved in hunting? Uh, that community mm-hmm. I can only imagine has grown and I can only imagine is a pretty tight-knit group.
1: It is a tight-knit group. I do believe that. I think that for the first eight or nine years that I was hunting, I I didn't know another woman that hunted. Mm. Not one. I did not know... Uh, I I didn't go hunting with other women. I didn't know that there was even a community out there until I got on social media. And that kind of pulled in a closer knit family of women. Uh, Of course, my husband has inspired me to hunt, Mm -hmm. but I actually hunt more things than he does. He is a meat hunter of deer, predominantly. I introduced him to waterfowl hunting and to goose hunting and uh and kind of stepped him outside of his regular normal thing that he was used to. Mm -hmm. So I think we've inspired each other on both on both sides of it. Um female wise, there are there are women of all different levels of their ability and their time in hunting that I have pulled from. And of course, that's, I think I've interviewed close to 75 women wow. in the past yeah. year and a half yeah. that each story, no matter their level of hunting has inspired me. It has pushed me further. If they can do it, then I can do it. How did they do it? And I've learned a whole lot of lessons. I keep notebooks. I'm sure you probably do as well. And it's a way that I can look back, and yeah, <laughs> I have
0: it's two a way. Right here within mm-hmm. I've got
1: three. They're yeah. full. They're full of words that they have said that are inspiring to mm-hmm. me or uh, encouraging things that they have said, or even the lessons, hard lessons that they've learned. Sure. That they've said, "Hey, don't do it this way. This is." this is a hard way of doing it. I found an easier way. And I think that mm-hmm. that's, I think that every single woman that I've talked to has been a mentor to me in some form or fashion.
0: That's really, really neat. 75 episodes you talked about. So tell us about the podcast. Where uh, where can we listen to?
1: So the podcast is everywhere. You can listen. It's it's on Podbean, but you can find it anywhere that you have an app. It, Her Wild Outdoors. Uh, it began because I guest hosted for a male podcast, predominantly male podcast that when he invited me on to host, he said, I can sympathize with women, but I can't empathize with Mm, them. It's a different kind of conversation. And so I interviewed 12 women. We had, what I thought was great conversations, the women loved it. The women that were listening loved it. Unfortunately, some of the men did not. And I've actually never talked about this mm. um, publicly, but it it did not, I guess it ruffled some feathers. Not everybody. And there was a whole lot of support on the male side of it, but there were some crass things said and yeah. it was mainly from men who didn't really listen to the episodes. Yeah. They just yeah. guessed kind of they what that episode was. about. Probably with their own about.
0: insecurities anyways.
1: I think so. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And so when that ended, I got, I was sitting around and I really missed those conversations. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I can't, it can't yeah. end. Yeah. It can't end. I want to continue talking to women. I think that women have, a voice in the outdoor community whether they're anglers or hikers or runners or whatever they do it, it's not just hunting mm-hmm. but I think they have a voice in it not that takes away from the men because we really do appreciate and value the male relationships that we've had in our hunting um, in the way that we've been brought up whether we're daughters or sisters or friends or spouses, significant others, we value the men in our lives that have done it right. But I can learn from a woman what she does in a way that a man could never teach me how to do it. There's just no way. There's no, I feel dress 100% differently than my husband. Hmm. He has brute strength that I do not have. He is 6'2, 200 pounds. I am five, lost a few inches, I feel like <laughs> in the past couple of years. Five, one and three quarters. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just a smaller person. Right. And so I can't brute strength my way through something. I have to, I have to actually have a sequence of events that sure. I follow. Sure. I can't drag a deer out like he does. I have to be able to figure out how to do that and be independent. Mm -hmm. And he can't teach me that. And he's told me that I can't, I cannot teach you that because I don't know how to do that. So I've either had to figure it out on my own or rely on women who, who have given advice on how to try things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, we were we had a great conversation recently with uh, a dear friend of mine and former colleague. We worked together, Alana Rizzo, uh, on this show uh, just a few episodes ago, and she was part of the first all female broadcasting crew to call a Major League Baseball game,
1: That's which is so really awesome. neat,
0: right? It's really yeah. awesome, yeah, uh, really, really cool. Something they did recently. Uh, so go back and check that episode out, guys. Yeah, I heard you. and she's great. And and again, uh, we we shared a small sports station TV office together. A few years ago at this point, but her point at the at all of it was, look, obviously, we can do this job, we can do it extremely well. And we might do it a little differently. Uh, Mm -hmm. And this, this should be the norm, right? And Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be just a flash in the pan thing. We're going to do one time. I'm doing this. I'm part of this crew so that we continue to do this more. I'm Mm -hmm. not just planning on doing this one time and and that being it. Yeah, Uh, It was just really neat conversation to hear her, you know, kind of perspective on that. And
1: I love that.
0: That was cool.
1: Yeah. I love that because I think that whether you're a man or a woman or a child, whoever you are, you are going to do something completely different than the person next to you. And I think that we need to celebrate that. Mm -hmm. I think that there is a way to to not rely on a one-track mind of doing things one way every single time because things aren't going to happen the same way every time. So to be able to learn different ways of handling yourself, whether you are hunting or if you are, you know, in a different field, you are you are always supposed to be learning new tools that you put into your tool belt in order mm-hmm. to use whenever mm-hmm. situations arise. And so I can learn from a man something that I can apply in the future, but I can also learn from a woman something that I can apply in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think that men as well can learn from a woman. And it's not in a high and mighty feminist negative feminist kind of way it's in a way that we can complement each other the different sexes can complement each other and we can support each other and we can lift each other up but we can also learn from each other and i Mm -hmm. think it's i think it's just valuable to not pigeonhole yourself in that one way of doing something
0: that's cool great perspective it's it's fun to fun to open you up a little bit and let you (laughs) dig into these thoughts and i know you've had these conversations with a lot of your guests it's mm-hmm. her wild outdoors name of the podcast guy so be sure to go uh check that one out tell me about memorable moments out there uh, uh or maybe the most memorable moment you've had in your hunting career
1: um i will say the most memorable moment did not actually have a kill in it uh three years ago almost four years ago i was hunting i was alone it was in the afternoon and a beautiful albino buck walked right underneath my stand and here in tennessee you can't hunt mm-hmm. albino deer uh in a lot of states actually you can't there are yeah, some that you can understandably
0: so right just given mm-hmm. the rarity of what they are
1: they're rare. Uh, there are arguments that they carry genes that you wouldn't necessarily want in your deer herd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's a lot of respect that comes from something that's that's rare like yeah, that. Sure, sure. And so I think even if it was legal, I wouldn't have shot. There was just a sense of respect for that animal. He had lived as many years as he had lived. I'm not going to take a life of something that already has checks against it Um, in the wild. If it's been able to survive, I want to let it survive. But he hung out with me for about 30 minutes and I was able to observe him and take pictures and watch how he moved. And uh, he he couldn't see well, he couldn't hear well, but he had a little partner with him that kind of helped out. I think they were just buddy buddy. Really? Um yeah. mm-hmm. I think he relied heavily on that relationship. And I just, it was a moment from what in the world is that? Is it a ghost? Is it a right. what is right. that? To just sitting there observing this absolutely beautiful creation that I had the privilege of observing it
0: was amazing sort of sharing that space with it for that moment Mm -hmm. in time that, you know, 30 minutes is, is a grain of sand in this, in this, I'll never forget it. You'll never forget (laughs) it. I I think if I remember correctly, and you've got some great videos and pictures of it on your Instagram, Mm -hmm. I think the way you described it was look at this ghostly creature,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right? Sort of coming across your path. Yeah, it
1: was it was something that I will always be grateful for. I feel like it was a complete privilege mm. and a gift to be able to to watch him move so closely. Yeah. Um, I did. I was able to take a deer that day later and and bring it home and feed my family. And and that was an added benefit But I I much I remember more of the albino deer that day. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you uh, have you had a a a full sort of pack out hunt, right? So go out for a hunt, uh, capture an animal, you know, kill, get a kill, mm-hmm. and pack it out, have to bring it back in. What's that experience like?
1: So here in Tennessee, people said so eastern and western hunting is very different. Mm-hmm. It's um, here in the east, we get docked as. Blind hunters or tree stand hunters, you just walk out to your tree stand, you sit there, you shoot a deer, you go home. Um, we actually hunt a piece of property that is in southern Tennessee that is mountain, like you're mm, hunting yeah. on a mountain. There is a rustic cabin at the top, no running water, no electricity, your hammock sleeping. Off the grid. It is <laughs> off the grid. You can't even, you have to hike. Up to it with all of your supplies to stay. What's so, the hike
0: like to get into it?
1: Uh, rocky. It's all limestone. Yeah. You have to watch for rattlesnakes.
0: Whoa.
1: The we take the dogs with us. We take the kids with us, and we just make a weekend, a mm-hmm. long weekend of mm-hmm. it. And and yes, there are tree stands. There are there aren't any blinds, but yes, there's tree stands. But it is you know you're hiking. Up, you're using. Poles to get up there. You're you're just strapped on to this little. Mm-hmm. It's a fun. It's a fun experience, but there is no dragging a deer out of that.
0: No, I wouldn't think so. There just isn't that kind mm-hmm. of terrain. Yeah.
1: No, and you could use a four wheeler. We don't have a four wheeler. We're just taking it kind of old school. So what we ended up doing was the light was going down, and the kids held held uh flashlights, and we had headlamps, and we just butchered in the field, Wow! put it into bags, put it in our backs on backpacks, yeah, it and, out and rucked on out. It, hacked it up. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Yeah. You tell me before we uh, started recording, you know, you've been doing a lot of training underweight, right? So essentially yeah. rucksack training. Uh, I do quite a bit of that here. Mm-hmm. I actually just spent the weekend uh, with a big group of my buddies, almost 100 of them. They were doing a big long ruck movement. I was there live streaming it and covering it and just really cool to watch them embrace the suck and, and those mm-hmm. challenges throughout the night. But uh but that kind of training, right, probably gets you ready. It's I'm not for assuming, the faint
1: of heart. No, it's not.
0: <laughs> but I'm assuming it, it's getting you ready for this trip to Montana for, for what it is in front of you.
1: It is. It's uh I will do a long which is not it's not six miles, but you're thinking three to four miles with thirty pounds on your back. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do one or two miles with 40 to 50 pounds on my back. Yeah. And it's just kind of getting ready for hiking in with all of my gear, but also being able to hike out with whatever animal I've been able to take. And that's respect, right? That's, that's me respecting what life I'm about to take. I respect it enough that nothing's going to be left behind. Nothing's going to be wasted. Everything is going to be taken, and it is—it's something you have to prepare for. Um, I have hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, Mm. and it is imperative for me to train my heart because going up in elevation changes, hiking for long distances, carrying weight, especially, is something that you don't necessarily need to put on your heart all of a sudden. And so gradually getting ready for it and making sure that you are prepared for that, it just, it respects myself, but it also respects what I'm actually doing in the animal that I am
0: hunting. Wow. Wow. Uh, You've got great content, obviously, on the social media front. Uh, Instagram is loaded with really neat stuff, not just content that you're creating for the show, but also just things that you're up to and, mm-hmm. and what that's like. One of the things that I'm a huge fan of is scrolling through and seeing what you're cooking based on yes. what you're bagging. So <laughs> yes. tell me a little bit about what Amy Hall is cooking up these days.
1: Do you know, even though I didn't grow up hunting, I grew up eating mm. wild game here and there just from friends uh, that would bring it. And I they always just fried it in a pan. And it was usually overcooked and tough Uh Uh and it wasn't my favorite. And so when I started hunting, I think that respect went into the kitchen because if I am not just taking the life of an animal, I'm also butchering and processing, respecting every single piece of meat that we get that in my freezer, as I also pull it out, I want to make something beautiful out of it i want to make something that tastes good but i also want to make something that a non-hunter if they wanted to try it that it wouldn't be that tough overcooked yeah, yeah. Um, piece of meat it can be something like um a, a wellington like a venison wellington or it can be a wild turkey breast that has been wrapped in Brussels sprouts and and peppercorn bacon and oh cranberries gosh, I, gotta get some I know right? right my stomach's yeah. growling yeah. um but it's it's being able to make something not just delicious but aesthetically beautiful as well because we eat with our eyes and, so if you're introducing again, somebody to it it yeah. it needs to be the whole thing
0: yeah and and it and it adds to that that moment, that moment of family, that moment mm-hmm. of community, right? So mm-hmm. to to go out and you know to to bring it home, to to go through that entire process, and then to sit around that table, yeah. And, and it sounds like in your family, same as in ours, the table is a very special place, right? So to yes. be able to to share in preparing that meal and then enjoying it together, and ultimately too. Uh, and we'll get a little faith in here to be able to celebrate all the goodness that's provided for us, right? That God yes. has provided in that mm-hmm. animal, right? That is able to then provide nutrition for your family. And at the same time, building the relationship of your family through all this incredibly important process, all that.
1: It is. We we definitely, each animal that we've been able to take, there have been prayers along the whole yep. process. And even down to my son taking his first year, It. We didn't even he had observed it so much that we didn't even have to say anything. He already had thanked mm-hmm. the Lord for for mm-hmm. that. And I we took eight deer this year. We because of the whole family doing it, we are able to take that much. We were able to donate two to a family that we knew. Wow. Um, it is a way that we can give. To our community, it's a way that, I mean, if you even take donating food off of the table, we do a wild game dinner every year and it keeps growing and growing Mm -hmm. and growing. And this next year, there's already in the works for a raffle to happen. And all the proceeds are going to be going to Hunters for the Hungry. It's going to be able to supply people with meals especially in this day and age where meals aren't necessarily the easiest thing to come by and so I think that the hunting community as a whole is very giving not just on the conservation side but also on the caring for our community side with food and we're in the south right food is is a way that like you said we we come together as a family, but we also open our doors to friends that need family. And I think that that's just one way that I've been able to love. I guess that's my love language that yeah, I yeah, give. Yeah. I feed people.
0: Right. right. <laughs> yeah. What's your, what's your? Do you have a favorite favorite dish to put together? A favorite dish?
1: Um, I would say two. So the first favorite dish, um. I would say is one that I love to make for people who have never had wild game before, and it's a bacon-wrapped meatloaf. And I never liked meatloaf good. as a it sounds kid. sounds great. Yep. Right. Okay. Yep. Wrap it in bacon and add barbecue sauce and mm-hmm. spices and all of the good stuff, and then smoke it on the smoker.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Like you're talking about something. You're talking that, my language. Like people don't turn it down, <laughs> and so. Mm-hmm. That would be the one that I love to make for people who have never had wild game before. The other one is I do love making a venison Wellington. It is beautiful. It is uh, very rich, mm-hmm. very tasty. It It is, if anybody has never had a Wellington, it is kind of, it incorporates beautiful mushrooms and prosciutto and puff pastry. like how, And Dijon mustard. mustard. But, I mean, it's and it's got a high level amazing.
0: of skill. To pull yeah. that I've seen Gordon Ramsay yell at many a chef for over. That is true. Your bottom
1: can't be soggy on a Wellington. If you go, if you listen, um, but it is, it's, those two are probably my favorites. I do love making a good rabbit dumpling uh, stew. That okay. is, that's pretty good.
0: Scratch, ma- scratch making dumplings.
1: Yes. Right? Making it all yes. Some awesome. good rosemary from the garden. Um, it's it's a good, a good tasty dish.
0: Right on, all right, Amy, tell everybody where they can, remind them where they can find the podcast again, point them in the direction of social media accounts you want them to know about, just let us know where we can find you.
1: Okay, you can find me on Instagram, uh, two different places. You can find me on, um, it's at her wild outdoors, or you can find me at Amy Hall underscore Hunter. Um, those are really on Facebook. You can mm-hmm. find her wild outdoors on there. Um, but Podbean is where the podcast is, is based out of, but you can find it on Apple podcast. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it wherever you have a podcast, you can find it.
0: We'll share all of that uh, where we share this show as well. Amy, it has been super fun, uh, to talk to you, uh, to Thank dig you. in on this, to put you on that side yeah. <laughs> uh, of the microphone a little bit on this day. And just so grateful for you sharing your perspective and, and, uh, this incredible strength, the purpose you have in your life here. We wish you nothing but the best as you go forward.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. She's Amy Hall. I am Brian Jodis, and this has been Pick Up the Six Podcasts.